Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in obeying the Lord. He will never judge by appearance, false false evidence or hearsay. He will defend the poor and the exploited. He will rule against the wicked and destroy them with the breath of his mouth. He will be clothed with fairness and truth. In that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard and the goat will be at peace. Calves and yearlings will be safe among lions. And a little child will lead them all. The cattle will graze among bears. Cubs and calves will lie down together. And lions will eat grass as the livestock do. Babies will crawl safely among poisonous snakes. Yes, a little child will put its hand in a nest of deadly snakes and pull it out unharmed. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. And as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with people who know the Lord. In that day, the heir to David's throne will be a banner of salvation to all the world. The nations will rally to him. For the land where he lives will be a glorious place. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Do anybody have any thoughts on that? Um, Daryl, you have the snakes ready? Good. Any little children? Dip their hand in a snake basket of snakes. Um, yeah, so here's the snake scripture that gets so much play. Um, and, and here is this, the scripture that has some just interesting stuff going on. This is, if you remember last week, what Isaiah did was Isaiah, King Ahaz, was, the king of Judah, is, is in a little bit of predicament, right? The, the, is, if you remember, the, um, the Israel nation was coming to him and going, look, Syria has been taxing us for too long. We're tired of it. Join our side to rebel against them. If not, we're going to fight you. And Ahaz uh, is like, uh, I don't know about that. Syria is pretty big and powerful. Maybe I should look to them. And, and Isaiah says, but you, have two cho- you have three choices. The first two are not good. You join with Israel and get destroyed by the Syrians. You join with the Syrians and still get destroyed by the Syrians. Or you join with God. And here's the picture. Here's the image. This is the end goal. And Ahaz as we know, chose poorly. He's like, oh yeah, that's a great picture, but I think I'm smarter than God. I'm going to go ahead and side with the Syrians and get squashed. He sides with the Syrians and he opens up this, this amazing time of violence and turmoil. Things aren't going well in the kingdom. You look at the monarchy and you're like, ah, these guys are... What's, this is where the Messiah is supposed to come from the line of David? Have you seen these guys? So Isaiah steps in and God gives him this vision. And, and Isaiah is saying here, look, I know things aren't going well right now. I, I'm here too. I'm experiencing this. But there's still that picture. It hasn't changed. The bad moves that we have made have not altered what God is going to do. 
from the stump of David's family, from the root of Jesse, some translations will say. The word that's used here in Hebrew is hoter. And hoter means not just the stump, but something a little bit deeper. Something more nourishing, something more whole, the core, basically. I put up my Christmas lights, as you know, um, a long time ago, because that's what you do. Um, and as I was doing this, the outside lights, Jenna um, was looking at our landscaping, and she's like, you need to cut those things back so that we can see the lights more. And she and I go on and on about this, because we have this beautiful plant in our front yard right off our porch called an angel's trumpet. And an angel's trumpet is this, it has these huge, green, thick shafts that come out, and these big leaves but it has these just unbelievably gorgeous yellow trumpets like that big that come off and they smell just amazing. It's just a beautiful, beautiful plant. Um, and, and she's like, you need to cut that back. And I'm like, I can't cut back this beautiful. I mean, it pretties our house up. You know, people drive by and they're like, angels live there. There's their trumpets. So I was cutting them back, and um, <laughs> what are you going to do? Um, and, and, you know, remembering that they are poisonous, they're angel's trumpets, but I, I learned at the botanical gardens that they're poisonous. Corbin keeps going, how are they poisonous if we touch them? I'm like, I don't know. Let's put on full body suits and just, like, leave it, you know, in the air. Um, but I'm cutting it down and, and everything. In my mind, I'm thinking, you know what, this is going to happen in a couple of weeks anyway. Because the thing about angels' trumpets is every year when it gets cold like it is now, they die. Every year. The trumpets, the yellow, beautiful golden trumpets just like get dark and shrivel up. The, the stalks that have come out hollow out. And you can go and just go thunk and it just falls right over. Every year this has happened for five years that we've lived in this house. Every year the angels' trumpet gets big and beautiful and gorgeous. And every year, Jenna and I have this argument. You need to cut it back. God's going to do it for us. You need to cut it back. God's going to do it when it gets cold. And so I always cut it back. But not all of it. This time of year, this is what happens to plants, right? This time of year, you see trees and just the leaves are coming down. And what once looked like this beautiful tree with all of these leaves, all of a sudden looks dead. You see this, this angel's trumpet plant that, that used to look so pretty and beautiful with this great aroma of flower just, just everywhere. And, um, and then all of a sudden, in a few weeks, it's just gone. And what's left is this ugly mass of like sticks just jutting out of the ground. It's just weird looking thing. But what I know is that it's not dead. What I know is, is that underneath the ground, there is strength. There is a healthy living organism that's just taken a nap. And from it, something great will come. In fact, really a lot of times this is what you need to do to plants anyway. Is you need to cut them back so that something stronger will come, right? In Israel, at the olive trees, a lot of times what they will do is when a tree gets to a certain age, they will come by and just chop it. It could be bearing fruit. It could be a great, healthy tree bearing all this fruit. But if it's that tree's time to get knocked down, they're going to knock it down. 
But from it comes more health. From it comes something stronger. This word hotel, this word that, that means not just a stump, but something deeper, this root. From it will spring forth these shoots. From it will come this child. See, the word hotel also means child. It's also used when you're talking about children. So from this, you have to knock this stuff down. Look, we've made a lot of bad choices. Yes, absolutely, Isaiah is saying. The kingdom right now is kind of in a shambles. But that stuff's going to be cut down. It's going to be put on a pile. It's going to be burned. And then what comes out of that is going to be stronger and healthier. What comes from that is a time in which lions lie down with calves and yearlings. When bears and cows go eat side by side. When leopards and goats frolic in the field. When little children stick their hands into vipers' dens and pull them out unharmed. From that will, will come this picture. From that will come this, this hope. Uh, on Tuesday in our pastor's meeting, I was kind of sharing a little bit about what I thought I was going to say today. And another one of the people in the room kind of jumped on me and was telling me that I was wrong. Uh, and so I, I hit Daryl. Just kidding. It wasn't Daryl. Never would I hit him. Have you seen him? Um, uh, and the guy, he was sharing with me and, and he kind of came at me a, a little harder than I probably thought he should have. Um, and my tendency is to go right back at people when they do that, especially if I think I'm right. And I am rarely right, but, um, I, I didn't, I sat on what I had to say and I just kind of let him get it out there. And, and I mean, there's like 20 people in the room and all right. But then Daryl and I went to lunch and I unloaded on Daryl. <laughs> I was like, can you believe that? See, what he was saying is, because I said, you have this image, you have this hope for this one day when these predators and preys would no longer be adversaries, but they would live together as one. You have this picture that Isaiah set up in our scripture from last week, and he continues this week, that one day all people will know him as Lord. When one day all people will know what the love of God is truly like. Man, that's an image. You have an image when one day lightness will shine across the darkness of the world. He's like, look, I have people that are in such tough places, they can barely get out of bed in the morning. They can't picture that. I have, I have people in my congregation that if you said rattlesnakes, you're going to let your child in front of a rattlesnake? Are you kidding me? I've seen rattlesnakes. <laughs> me too. They're scary. And God says, one day we're going to cuddle with them. It's too hard for some people. I said, you know, this is what I told Daryl and what I told Jenna later. I said, the fact that that image is out there is the reason I can take the first step. The fact that I have this understanding that Isaiah is saying that one day, all things will be made right. That's why I can get out of bed in the morning. It may not be today, but it will be one day. When Grace went on her hunger strike many years ago, 
and she decided to protest the price of tea. It's not really what she was protesting. I have no idea what she was mad at, but she stopped eating. And it got to the point where she got labeled failure to thrive. She was dying because she wouldn't eat. She would let nothing in her mouth, and she has a really strong jaw. We had to put a tube in her nose down into her belly and feed her that way. It's called an NG tube. Um, And we would have to hook her up at night to this machine that would feed her formula overnight. The problem with this is, I don't know if you've had anything besides your finger and your nose. It's not fun. It's not pleasant. It's an uncomfortable experience. And so she pulled it out a lot. And formula, she'd wake up crying, and we would wake up, and we'd see this just mass of formula in her crib. And it was just nastiness. And what would I have to do? Stick the tubes back up her nose into her belly. What we didn't know at the time was that part one of her nostrils was covered with bone completely. And then the other one had just a really small opening. So every time I would try to stick it back in there, if I was choosing the wrong nostril, even though I didn't know, it would come out of her mouth. And so we'd go through this in the middle of the night, this process over and over again. Just couldn't get anything done. What we didn't want to happen was for her to get a tube into her belly called a Mickey tube. Because once you get one of those tubes, they say it's really hard to get the kid back off of it. And we fought it. And we tried to, like, get avocados and bathe them in olive oil and ranch dressing and anything that had fat and just, like, shove it in her mouth. I I used to barter with her going, hey, honey, if you want a margarita, you can have a margarita right now. They're really fattening. Just anything you want. You want a chicken fried steak with gravy and mashed potatoes blended up into a blender and a nice little shake? Yum. It's yours. Whatever you want. Nothing. So where did I get this tube? We got this tube placed in her belly, and it was right above uh, her belly button, which is a weird place for it. I've learned after that. But it sticks in there, and it has all this granulation around it, all this skin, this raw skin, this stomach lining coming out of her stomach. It's held in by a little balloon that's filled with saline and has a hole going through it so that the food can go in. So we'd feed her through these bolus feedings, these big syringes, and pour it in. It would sometimes take us an hour and a half just to feed her. It wasn't fun. She would pull it out all the time. Because wouldn't you? You have this thing protruding from your body. How annoying. And it would just ooze this, like, stomach stuff. And so her clothes were nasty. We had to put a girdle around her. Um, She borrowed one of mine and um, it covered it so that she couldn't get to it and pull it out. But time and time again, I had to learn to deflate the balloon, stick it in her belly and reinflate the balloon so that it would stay. Time and time again, we had to do this, but it was saving her life. It gave her life. So we had a speech therapist come and the speech therapist um, specialized in oral aversion Kids that are in lockdown, they won't let anything in their mouth. And she spent a long time with her. Her name was Jennifer. She was wonderful. She would come from behind Grace, who was sitting in her high chair, and just gently put her finger on her mouth. That's where she started. It's like a sneak attack, just right behind, and kind of just get Grace used to the feeling of something there. And little by little by little by little, she started to eat. So we're having a conversation with Jennifer one day. 
Jenna and I, and she says, you know, my goal is to get Grace to be able to supplement her tube feedings by mouth. She's never going to get off the tube. But we want to get her to a point where she can have some things by mouth. And Jen and I were like, um, that's not our goal. Our goal is to get rid of that thing. Our, our, our image, our picture at the end of this story, Jennifer, is, is when a cow and a bear eat together in a field side by side and everything's cool. Our image is when a, a young child can lay down next to a lion and it's okay. When, when a baby can reach its hand into a den of snakes and pull it out unharmed. When a leopard and a goat lie together because predatory and prey have no more meaning anymore. Our vision, our goal for this is when the word of the Lord reigns. When the mountain of the, when the temple raises above everything, what he said, Isaiah said last week, and all people come to know him. Our end picture of this is when Jesus Christ comes back and he brings healing to all. When people who can't walk can walk. When people who can't see can see. When the deaf can hear. When the hungry have food. When the thirsty are nourished. Our image of this, our picture of this isn't supplemental anything. It's complete healing. So you need to get on board. I got to tell you something, though. It was not fun, that process. Sitting with her and fighting. Sitting at the dinner table for two hours trying to get her to have a chicken nugget. What kid doesn't like chicken nuggets? Sitting at the table when Jenna and Corbin had gone off to do their thing and there sit Grace and Daddy. Have one more bite, and you can get up. Wow. I could not have sat there at that table. I could not have got one of those little bullet blenders and put everything in it and just blended it down to, like, just mush. I could not have done the things that we did without having that picture at the end. You want to tell me to take a step and then tell me, okay, that's as far as you're going to get? I'm not going to step. But you tell me that one day all things will be brought into restoration and renewal. I'm stepping now. When you tell me that one day that tube will be removed from her belly because she eats. Oh yeah, I can take steps in darkness because I know that light is at the end of the tunnel. When you tell me that one day we would have a party with all of our friends and a margarita machine. That's right, get over it. And a big fire burning all of her buttons because we no longer needed them. We called it the button blowout party. I'm going to take those first steps because at the end is victory. At the end is healing. So I'm going to live my life as if I already know that. It's like Scott Hare pointed out in our meeting. It was right after the Auburn-Alabama game and um, that amazing ending to that football game, if you know what I'm talking about. Um, So say you were from Auburn and you knew that you were going to win this game. You go into the game with Alabama. Nobody thinks you're going to win. 
But you know, you know, without a doubt, because you are just certain we are going to win. I know the end of the story. We win the game. The game goes on. It's a great game. Great battle back and forth. At the end of the game, there's one second left. You're down. There's no chance. Alabama's kicking a field goal, and they're kicking it with a kicker who has made those in practice all the time. There's no way. But you know. You're sitting next to all of your Auburn friends, and they're just like bummed. They're just like, oh, this is horrible. But you're on the edge of your seat going, oh, I know we win. This is going to be awesome. We have one second left. This is going to be legendary. I can't wait. Ah! Everybody looks at you like you're, like you're just foolish. What are you talking about? One second left. There's no way we can win. There goes the kick. Looks like it has that. Nope, it's going to be short. Wait, there's somebody in the end zone to catch it. Oh, but he can't run it back 108 yards. What's he doing? 108 yards for the touchdown and the win. You're sitting back going, knew it. Told you. If you know the end of the story, live as if you know the end of the story. If you know the picture that God has given us, that one day all things will be brought into restoration and renewal. When one day his love will come back in such a way that all people will know him as Lord. Isaiah is saying there's there's going to be a day. Look, it is bad right now, guys. I'm not going to lie to you. This is bad. But the image hasn't changed. The victory is still won. Isaiah's going, I don't know how it's going to be, but here's the image I see. That one day, even the Syrians will know God as Lord. When one day all people will come to the temple and obey. If you know that, the first step's easy. That's what joy is, right? That's what it should be. Joy is grace coming up on stage. And dancing. Because she likes the music and she could care less what the rest of you think. I can walk, I can dance, and I can even twirl. And you know what? I'm going to use them all. Because joy reigns. Joy is knowing that the image at the end of the story is good. Advent is is celebrating the first coming of Jesus. And it's looking forward to the second coming. The time when all of this happens. When these pictures that Isaiah has laid out before us come true. When these images of a peaceful kingdom Rain. Joy is living as if we know the end of the story. We need to live life full of joy. And it's not to say that there won't be times of pain and struggle and darkness. It's not to say that there won't be cancer in your life, that there won't be death, that there won't be divorce and broken relationships, that there won't be abuse or addiction. Those things happen because we live in a fallen world right now. However, we know that at the end of the day, he wins and those things don't. 
At the end of the day, cancer is defeated. Addiction is over. Abuse stops. Relationships are mended. At the end of the day, Grace looks into my face and says, I love you. Because I know that. Because I know that that image never changes. While it may struggle at times, while I may struggle at times, I choose to live my life with joy. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the image that does not change. We thank you for the promise that you gave us. That one day all of these things, these things to seek to hold us down would pass away. That one day death would never have a hold on us any longer. That one day we would see you face to face and know what true love is. God, we live for that day. Through times of darkness, we hold on to the hope of light. And because of that, we live lives of joy. Fill us with joy this Advent season as we celebrate your first coming and look forward to the second. In Jesus' name, amen.